Well, again, good morning, everybody. It's, it's so good to have you come this morning. We're thrilled that you're here, and we're ready to, to go on what God has for us. We're so excited about what Jesus is doing in this family, and we're thankful that this is the good-looking family. Come on, y'all. You, guys, I'm a, you can say that I'm a major blessing, and I'm good-looking. It's better to say I'm broke and I'm ugly. I, we're confessing what the Word's going to say about us. We're so glad that you came, and so we're going to go right into the Word this morning. And I'm, I know, again, I'm excited. Thank you so much, Julian. My reserved seat is my spot. It's my seat. And we're going to get into that this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm going to just reiterate a couple of things just to make sure we're all on the same platform, go in the same direction with this. But again, the, the word that the Lord, we've really been reading this probably for about the past five or six weeks now, was just this word that was given to us from Kenneth E. Hagan, not to us specifically, but to the body of Christ in 1980. And it's a powerful word. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but the, really the big gist behind all of it is this, this one sentence is that the darkness, evil is going to increase in velocity. It's going to come more and more in these final days. And some Christians may say, oh, there is no use. Throw up their hands and say, well, it's all over. We just got to hope and pray, you know, for Jesus just to come back quickly because the devil's taking it over. But then he says, but they, thus saith the Lord, I'm going to read this part. In this day, I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I'll raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness and the light will dispel the darkness and the truth will set men free and prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds and spirits and bodies. This part here too, I got to read. It's all good. It says, yes, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. It must be hurriedly. It must be. Quickly it must be that they learn that they enter in. Say it with me, enter in. We enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil that would try and come against the land, against the church, against the home, that would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good and all that God has endorsed. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen, and to the urge of God in the Spirit, to those who are attentive, they will pray. The Spirit of God will help you, and do not do this on your own. And then in that, he talks about learning to rest in him. There may be times where you sit in your prayer closets, may not even saying anything, and all of a sudden, deep on the inside of you, through the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, praying through your spirit to the Father of spirits, and he's going to bring a release. He's going to bring a relief in these times. And it says at the very end of this word that you will be kept, and your family and your home will be sure and stand fast, and your children shall grow up strong and faithful in the Lord, and they shall have no fear. That's what we have here at Impact Life Church. You're in a good spot this morning. You know, as I was prepping and thinking and praying about this this week, this for you, and everything what God is doing through this church, I just kind of came into this, and we were saying, and I stand in awe. I was in awe, first of all, that the Lord saw fit that you and I actually have the opportunity to learn about this. Like, don't, I don't take this for granted that, God, I, I get to know about this. I have, the, I have the opportunity to learn about the authority that you've given me in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God. I'm so thankful for that. And I believe that you're thankful too. I mean, this, could you imagine? We could be talking about just all this other stuff, how God wants to make you sick. God wants you broke. God wants to, you know, smite you. Aren't you thankful we don't, we're not stuck in that religious garbage? We got the word of God. I'm so thankful for that. 
And at the same time, I believe also this, this is something that he's positioning us in such a way that he's able to work through us and carrying out his plan for this region. You and I are called to be change agents in our city, in our nation. That's why we're here. We're not here to entertain anymore. We're here to train. We're here to get equipped. Sir, what do you have for us? And so I'm so thankful over the course of these last weeks, really, this goes back from when the church started in 1994, that this would be an end times church. That's what was prophesied over this church in 1994. Pastor John and Ingrid, I don't know if you still have the tape, but it was a cassette tape. I remember hearing it as I think it was a nine or an eight-year-old, hearing those words that this shall be an end-time church. What does that mean? That we're going to be strong in end-time teaching? Sure, that's part of it. But it's also no, we are a strong end-time church because we know what our master needs. And we're here to fulfill in these last days what King Jesus needs on this earth. You know, even just the different songs that I've been listening to. I don't know about you, but there seems to be such an emphasis on these words, King Jesus. What is God doing? He's aligning. He's getting his body ready. For what? King Jesus to appear. That's what we're all expecting. That's what we're all, that's the next grand event for the church is King Jesus is going to be in the clouds and that trumpet's going to sound and dun da 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 we're getting a new body and we're out of here. Woo! That's exciting. But before all that, King Jesus needs to work with a body in order to accomplish what King Jesus wants done on this earth. And I don't know about you, but my life is, here I am, sir, what do you need? Oh, anybody else? I believe that this, what this church is full of. Come on, wave at me, y'all. This is what we're here for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There they Hey! Woo! Here we are. Now, let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read these verses here together. But I've been raised with him. So now, again, let's just think here. What is Jesus doing with our time together? He's aligning us. He's equipping us. He's feeding us his word to see what he wants to do in these last times. Man, I'm I'm stirred up about it. I'm I'm giddy. I'm sweating already. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, 17, it says this. This is the prayer that the Spirit of God gave to the church through the Apostle Paul. And it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened or the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Where is it? In the saints. There's an inheritance inside of you. Again, this changes the Christian's perspective when we get a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that rather than God, I need, I need, now it's releasing what God has already put on the inside of me. This is the Christian life, not going, God, I need, I need, give me, give me, give me. It's now, God, what have you done through the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus? What do I now need to release what you've already placed on the inside of me? Healing is already here. I'm the healed and the devil's trying to do something against my body. It's a total different perspective because the world looks at us and says, you need a crutch and you need religion or Jesus to help you. No, 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 no. The Christian life is an empowering life over all the forces of darkness. It's not a crutch. It's empowered now to put my foot where it belongs is on the snake's head. Sickness's head. It's under me. All right, verse 19. And what is the exceeding? No, let's read this part together. Let's, let's start at verse 19 all over again. We can all read? Okay. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Well done. I'll finish it off from here. It says, according to the working 
of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where is that? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age or in this world, but also in the one which is yet to come. Woo! And it says, He put all things under His feet, and He gave Him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, or for the benefit of the church, which what is His body, the fullness of Him who fills in all in all. Now the power, there's so much in that verse, we've gone over it, but not only that, not only is Jesus the fullness of us, but you are the fullness of Him. Ah. Oh. People that religious mindset go, that's heresy. Yeah, to, to the religious ear. But this is nothing about you and I elevating ourselves or you and I putting ourselves in a position. God did this on his own without any of our talk or any of our feedback. He did this because he wanted to do it. And you can find that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, I believe. It was his good pleasure to do what we're experiencing right now. He wanted to do all this. It's what he had in mind for us all along. So now in the mind of God, when Jesus was raised up from the dead, seated far above all principality, power, mind, dominion, and above every name that is named, he also saw you. So that's in God's mind. So if you're trying to think, what is God thinking right now? He sees you the same way he sees the resurrected and seated Christ Jesus. So how he sees Jesus is how he sees you. But it does us no good unless you and I start to see ourselves that same way. You and I... According to Ephesians 1.21, I have been seated far above all, come on, say it with me, all, all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named. I'm above it all. Why? Because I'm in him. Are you above it all? Now, what is it every name that is named? What's above every name? You and I. And what does that mean? Sickness and disease. Guess what it is? It's names. They're names that are given to the disease. COVID is just a name. And guess where you and I are? Just a little bit above it. No, 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 no. Far above this thing. So rather than cowering and going, oh, dear God. No, we go, who am I? I'm seated with him far above this thing. So when you look down, at, when you look, it's like, it's way down there. Somewhere, somewhere amongst all the mess. You're far above it. Now, what we have talked about and gone over in detail is the price that it costs God not only to save us, but to resurrect us with the living Jesus as well. Man, it's powerful. And Jesus did not come in the flesh to save himself. Jesus didn't come to show us that he had power over the devil. He already had it where he was. Why did he come? He came to restore to mankind again the intent that God had from the very beginning, which was to raise up us up into a place of authority. Because what did God lose in the garden? Not only did he lose Adam and Eve, he lost authority in the earth. Because who became the God of this world? Satan. And he's still called the God of this, God of this earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world. So what does God now have after all we've talked about what Jesus did when he was raised from the dead? God now has authority back in this earth through the church. So again, we've talked so much in detail about the head has a will, but the body has got to get in line with the head. 
And as long as the head and the body are not together, the, bo- the head in divine patience waits for the body to come into alignment with what the head wants to do. And that's what we're all about is we're aligning ourselves to go with King Jesus. And whether we realize it or it, it will come to pass, but you and I have to take the time to actually align ourselves in it. This is the plan that God had from the very beginning. Now, why else did Jesus come? He came to demonstrate the Father's love. Absolutely, Romans 5. He came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. I think that's a powerful verse. You can write that on your Bible and chew on that for a couple weeks. But this is, it says, this is, why the Spirit, this is why Jesus, the Son of God, was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. What does that mean when your work is destroyed? Kaput. Nothing. There's nothing left. So what does Satan actually have? Nothing. The only tactic he uses, real well, fear, is a big one. And so even if you look at any of the Hollywood stuff, all the Hollywood, the way that they portray the devil, those horror films, ain't nothing like any of that. Oh, hell just looks like one of those horror. No, no, no. The Bible says that in Isaiah, when all of a sudden all of this is revealed, they're going to look at the serpent and go, him? This stupid, insignificant piece of... You fill in the blank? This? This is what made the nations tremble? This tiny, puny little thing? Remember, he is a very prideful being. He thinks he's better than he actually is. That's why you kind of see him like he's ripped six-pack and just looks like he's El Macho. He ain't any of that. I I look at him, I see he's got this just gigantic gut useless, can barely move because he's been paralyzed, stripped of it all, except he throws a few demons to tell him to do different stuff. He's useless. As long as we portray him, oh, he's doing stuff. No, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. Anybody that thinks they can beat God, stupid. No. All right. Second, we talked about now occupying our place, and we real briefly went over belief introduces us to the seat of authority. The moment I came into contact with Calvary, the moment I went to the cross, I heard the gospel preached, whether it was online, I, you know, I heard it somewhere. Yo, you responded to that and said, I believe what Jesus did. I believe the sacrifice. That moment, God gave you authority over all the powers of darkness. So you don't have to be, I have to be 50 years in the Lord to do this. No, 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 no. You can learn it no matter where you're at. Do you want to learn it? That's totally up to you. But for you and I, God has already done the work. It's already accomplished. Every child of God has victory over the evil world. Every child of God. So we come in contact with it through our belief. Remember again in Ephesians chapter 1, I believe in verse 20 or verse 19, to usward who believe. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? To who? To us who believe. Now what is that word believe again? And I pulled out this Anglo-Saxon these are British back in the Middle Ages, and they would say, Belifen. When you say it, I even sound British, right? Belifen. No, not really looking at my friend Dave. No, Belifen. And the word be means to live, and lifen means in accordance with. So the word believe means to live in accordance with. Believing is not mental knowledge, but it's something that you and I, it leads us to action. So if we truly believe, Ephesians, can you guys pull that up there again for me? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. If we truly believe that we have been raised up together with Christ, to us who believe, what do we do with that? Do we just go, oh, that's nice, and kind of move on and live out our days and forget all about it? 
No, again, to believe means that I live accordance to this truth and to this reality. If I truly believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and I was raised along with him, my response is, remember everybody got that sheet? My response is to go, I take my seat. I live it out. So this is the position that I live from and I operate from. And I want to read this to you. It says, Lord, I accept your gracious word. I believe what you have done for me. In humble faith, I do now take my seat in the heavenly places at thy right hand. Right? Teach me how to fulfill this sacred ministry. Train me day by day that I may attain to the full stature of the perfect man in Christ so that in me your purpose of the ages may be fulfilled. Amen. That's my prayer. So what do I do? I take this seat, and now what? I start operating from this place. You know the Bible on the other side of this sheet, it says morning by morning. As one of my first acts of worship, I will take my seat with Christ and return thanks to God for all that it implies. And throughout my day, had anybody practiced it this week? Throughout my day, what am I going to do? I'm going to remind myself that I am seated far above all the powers of the air and they are in subjection to me. Come on, say it, to me. Who do the demons and devils have to listen to? Me. Come on, I'm going to ask it one more time. we got to say it like we believe it. Who do the devils and the demons and darkness, the powers of darkness, have to listen to? Me. me. Come on, say it. Me. 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 They listen to who? Me. When? I'm seated in my spot. When I get out of position, out of positions means no authority. Staying in my position. Oh, 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 hey, hold on a sec. Here I am. This is my spot. You have to listen to me. Why? Because I'm in place of authority. This is my spot. This is the highest place in the universe for authority. It's the right hand of the Father. And you've been graced to sit there because of what Jesus has done. So it's time the church wake up to this spot. God paid a tremendous price for us to get it. <laughs> he goes on to say, as my faith learns to use the name and the authority of Jesus... I will find spiritual forces yielding obedience in ways that will surprise me. <laughs> As I continue to abide closely in him, my prayers for the advancement of the kingdom will become less and less the uttering of petitions and now will become increasingly manifest the exercise of a spiritual authority that recognizes no national boundary but fearlessly binds the forces of darkness in all parts of the world from that spot. You could take care of business in Calgary from this spot. Well, but I'm in Red Deer. doesn't matter. In the spirit, there is no distance or time in the spirit. I could take care of business over in Australia if I wanted to, if the Lord led me to do it that way. From this spot, you can go anywhere and start changing things. That's your spot. But here's the thing. You have got to take it. If you don't take it, nobody else will. Jesus will not sub in for you and go, okay, you're busy today. I, I got you. I got you. It won't work that way. It's your seat. You have to occupy the seat. Jesus said, occupy until I come back. So church, what are we doing? We're occupying. We're done just doing kind of churchy things. We occupy from the seat. And from this place, everything else flows. I've been learning this from even from a ministry perspective. I don't just pastor out of position. Get to my spot. Okay, Lord, what do I need to do? From here now, I operate from an authoritative pastoral role. It's way different here. So what do I do? I'm able to say things that I would normally say out of position. Same thing for you. You have a position in God, and the devil dare not go there. All right. 
Moving right along. Let's look at this again. So operating from this seat requires that I set my sights on something. Colossians chapter 3. Turn there again real quickly for a moment. I want you to see these words. Colossians chapter 3, 1 verse 3. It says this, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. Again, the Passion Bible says it like this. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Can you say that with me? Christ's resurrection is my resurrection too. It is. It is. Do you believe it? When Jesus died, who did he die for? Who did he take down to the grave for? Me. I was the unrighteous. I was the the sick. I was the broke. I was the downtrodden. I was the spiritually dead person. And it says that God, he identified with me so that in that identification, when he raised Jesus from the dead, he also took me along with him. He who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we who knew no righteousness could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So right now, because I identify with Jesus... He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I identify with him. I get exactly what he gets. I have exactly what he has. Romans 5. I mean, I can just, I'm just shooting scriptures at you this morning. Romans chapter, chapter 5, 1 and 2 talk about that, that you stand now in this place of undeserved privilege. Talk about privileged. Me. Where? In Christ Jesus. I deserved death. I deserved hell. But because of his immense mercy, he pulled me up out of that. Woo. All right. Colossians chapter 3. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. You know, for those words, set your sights, in the modern English version, it says it like this. Set your affection. Did you know that you can set the affections of your heart to things. You can set the affections of your heart towards someone. But here, the Bible's telling us you can actually set your sights or set the affections of your heart somewhere. And where does he tell us to do it? Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This is requiring you and I, as Christians, to be spiritual. (laughs) To start seeing things from another realm. To start seeing things from God's perspective. And this is what you are anointed to do it. Because as long as you are, listen, the Christian and the believers are out of authority, what are they doing? Their sights are set on everything natural. Can you believe this? Can you do? No, I, it's, it's all ridiculous. But when you get here, it makes sense because you see the God of this world has his hand in what he's doing. So what do we do? Rather than trying to combat flesh with flesh, I combat from the highest position possible and say, you can't come to Red Deer. Red Deer is untouchable to you. No way. This is now where the gospel has access. We call this person to come here. So you are like basically playing chess. This is how it's going to look. Again, according to how God leads you. Right? You're not just making claims and saying all these things. No, no, no. How this works is, no, Lord, we thank you for the right people coming into our government right now. In Jesus' name, we make access for that. Because again, this spot is power over who? Devils and demons all the principality and darkness, not people. You can't go here and say, I'm telling my kids, kids, you better get back over here now in Jesus' name. That is not what that's for. You can pray for them, but this is not a witchcraft place where I tried to do some kind of voodoo in order to go, son, you better come back here. I'm going to get hurt you or God's going to do something to you. That's not what this is. 
This is where I deal with the demons and darkness that may be influencing their lives. Yes. But I do not tell them what they can and cannot do. That's not my place. Just so we're clear on that. You can't say, oh, this person, I'm, you're going to be married to me in three years from now. That is not what this is for. You'll be very disappointed. But I said in Jesus' name, that means nothing. <laughs> Girl, you're going to like me. That's not what this is for. <laughs> Sometimes you have to, because I've, I've heard some crazy stories. Can I give you one for example? So we're good friends of a particular minister that is very well known. And he was telling us that his grandfather and his grandmother, obviously they've been married for a number of years, but there was an individual that came and said to them, they're actually, they were praying that the wife of this minister would die so that she could marry him. Stupid. That is not what this is for, and it will never work. <laughs> and we're going we're, we're gonna to get into this as time goes on, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit. But listen, the, the kingdom of darkness, they know how men operate. And when you start operating from this place, Again, from an offensive position, the church isn't retreating. We go forward. But when you start operating from this place, you are going to start seeing demons fleeing and things starting to change, even in a natural sense. So because the enemy knows us, one of his swift and could be a crushing attack for the individual, spiritual pride. That you start operating from this thing, well, see, they listen to me, watch this. And you start abusing this position, just a very dangerous spot to be in. And that's where that lady operated in is, well, hey, they listen to me. Well, I'm going to tell this wife she's got to die because I like him. That is not what this is for. So, again, while belief brings us to this position, humility keeps us there. A complete dependence on who God is and what he says. Humility really is truth. Humility operates in truth. And what is truth? Apart from him, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not this, oh, I can't do anything. No, no, no. From this position, you can do all things through him. So it operates in this place of truth. Now, moving along, let's read verse 2. He said, think about. Can you say that with me? Think about. What does that mean? I actually have to sit and think. <gasps> well, I'm going to just see what, I'm going to just go on Facebook and check out what they're saying. No, 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 no. You sit you set your sights and you think God wants to give you first-hand information. Not second-hand information. He doesn't want you just to hear it. Oh, I heard this message. It was so good. Thank God for that. We need good, we need good faith-filled teaching that will give the Word of God in its purest form. Absolutely. But here's the thing. God raised you up and set you in the highest position. So what does He want to do? He wants to give you first-hand information. You're not dependent on the Pope to hear, Pope, what is, what is God telling me to do? He don't know. Not supposed to know. There's only one man between us and God the Father. Who is that? Jesus. Okay. So I'm supposed to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You know, I have up on, on, my, on my cell phone, every Sunday morning at some time, I get a a um, report of what my screen time was for the week. Anybody get that? You were averaging so much time a, a day throughout this. And now on there, I was just, when I, that thing had popped up, I went, huh, I wonder if I could actually sit down and if, if heaven could give me just a flash of, hey, this is what you averaged this week thinking about heaven. 
What would that look like for the church? Average, average heaven time. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Meanwhile, we can quote everything and their dog about what's going on in the earth. And regarding heavenly things, we're like, uh, 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 j- Jesus? What's happened to the church? We're trying to operate, but down here. We're stupid. Why? Because we haven't taken the time to sit and think about the things of heaven. What are the things in heaven? Start reading Ephesians. What am I? I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Until that becomes more real than what my bank account says, I haven't seen it yet. Are we okay? Oh, man, this changes everything. Think about the things of heaven. That's what I'm, When you start thinking about the things of heaven, you get a little happy. Woo, this is exciting. And all of a sudden, because, again, the focus of this is that you are a spiritual being temporarily sent here for a human existence. Not the other way. You're not a human being looking for a spiritual existence. Here it is. You want a spiritual experience that you are a spiritual being? Sit down and think. I'm just looking for a goosebump. Forget the goosebumps. Just start thinking about by his stripes. I'm healed. Start thinking about that. And when it dawns on you, your world begins to change. Why? Because now you're getting his perspective on it rather than the natural outlook of this world. I start to see it like he sees it. Woo! Talk about blow your mind. There it is. Verse 3. He says, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to sit here and think? Because you died to this life. You're dead to it. And your real life, where is what? It's hidden with Christ. Where is he? Right here in God. This is where my life is. And so, again, we mentioned this before, but people try to go out and I'm going to just take six months and just find out who I really am. You'll be disappointed. You come back after that six months ago. What's wrong? Did you have a great trip? You were like, you were in, I don't know, some hot country. And there it was, you were having, wasn't it amazing? Just thinking about the beach and finding and discovering yourself? Well, no. Why? Because you found you. <laughs> and you, apart from him, is nothing. <laughs> so if you want to be disappointed, go on a three-month journey to find yourself. You'll be <laughs> very disappointed. But if you would just sit and think and all of a sudden realize that in him, I'm complete. Ah, your mind starts to change. Now, continuing on here for a moment. Now, what we need to do from this place, and this is what I had the Lord just share with me for this morning, is that we need to do something about the devil. I need to do something about the devil. Say with me, I need to do something about the devil. From this place, I need to do something about him. And I have, this, I have this book. I want to just read you a little, about a page and a half from it. It's, again, from this gentleman, Kenneth E. Hagan. And, I mean, he, talk about a man whose words live after you die. This is, his teaching continued on. And this is book, I Believe in Visions. The Lord appeared to him eight different times in a span of ten years. Three of them were for an hour and a half. And one of the, one of, I'm going to just read you a part of this one here, but this, his third visitation, 1952, Rockwell, Texas, But what had happened in this, the Lord opened it up by saying to this to him, I'm going to teach you concerning the devil, demons, and demon possession. And so in that, he actually shared two stories or saw in this vision two examples and two stories of how one, a believer, 
was impacted in how the devil got access into this person's life. The second one was an unbeliever and how the, the enemy had operated in this individual's life. And so I'm not going to go on that for detail. It's, it's powerful. It's profound. We may get into that as time goes on. But it's, the devil doesn't stop. So what we need to do is we have to understand his wiles. When we understand how he operates, we can start to see how we can function and operate from this seat. But now right after this, he had the second vision of, this, of the second gentleman of, who was not a believer. He says this, while Jesus was talking to me, an evil spirit that looked like a monkey ran between Jesus and me and spread out something like looked like a black cloud or, or a smoke screen. I couldn't see him anymore. Then the demon began jumping up and down, waving his arms and leg and yelling in a shrill voice, yakety yak, yakety yak, yakety yak. I paused for a moment. I could hear the voice of Jesus as he continued to talk to me, but I could not understand the words he was saying. I thought to myself, doesn't the Lord know I'm missing this, what he is saying? I need to get it. It is important, but I'm missing it. I wondered why Jesus didn't command the evil spirit to stop talking. I waited for a few moments. Jesus continued talking as if he didn't even know the evil spirit was present. I wondered why the Lord didn't cast him out, and he didn't. Finally, in desperation, I pointed my finger at the devil, at the evil spirit, and said, I command you to be quiet in the name of Jesus. He stopped immediately and fell to the floor. The black smoke screen disappeared, and I could see Jesus once again. The spirit lay on the floor, whimpering and whining like a whipped dog. I said, not only must you be quiet, now get out of here and leave. He got up and ran away. I was still wondering why Jesus had not stopped this evil spirit from interfering. And of course, Jesus knew what I was thinking. He said to me, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. Lord, I know I misunderstood you. You said you couldn't do anything about it, but you really meant you wouldn't. No, he said, if you hadn't done anything about the spirit, I couldn't have. But Lord, you can do anything. To say you couldn't is different from anything I've ever preached or preached or heard preached. That really upends my theology. Sometimes your theology needs to be upending. Upended, the Lord answered. I said, Lord, even though I am seeing you with my own eyes, even though I hear your voice speaking to me as plainly as any voice I've ever heard, I cannot accept that unless you prove to me by the word of God. Because the word says in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I will not accept any vision. I will not accept any revelation if it cannot be proved by the Bible. Instead of becoming angry with me for saying this, Jesus smiled sweetly and said, I will give you not just two or three witnesses. I'll also give you four. I said, I have read through the New Testament 150 times and many portions of it more than that. If that is in there, I sure don't know about it. Son, there is a lot in there you don't know, the Lord pointed out. There is not a single place in the New Testament where believers are ever told to pray against the devil and I will do anything about it. There is not one instance in any of the epistles where to the churches that said to tell God to rebuke the devil or to do something about the devil, to pray, to pray that God the Father or I, the Lord Jesus Christ, will rebuke the devil or do anything about the devil is a waste of time. God has done all he is going to do about the devil for the time being until the angel comes down from heaven, takes the chain and binds him and puts him into the bottomless pit. Now, that's where that kicks off. So what I wanted to do is actually just take these four references that are quoted also in here from the word of God and find out, is that true? Because again, yeah, we're not going by people's experiences. We don't go by what people saw. We have to go by the word. Now, what the main focus on here is, 
is that Jesus, if you, or Jesus said to Brother Hagin, if you didn't do anything about it, I couldn't. Didn't say he wouldn't, I couldn't. So until Brother Hagin said, in the name of Jesus, get out, finally that authority could be shut out and experienced. But if he didn't do anything, Jesus couldn't do anything. Can we see that? It didn't say Jesus wouldn't do anything. It says he couldn't. That is a way different word. So with that in our thinking, let's look at a couple of things here. What again, what we see from Scripture? That the least member in the body of Christ is seated far above all of Satan and his authority. I want to just show you this verse again because this is not one of the four, but I want to just show you this. Luke 10, 19, again, this is the words of Jesus. After he sent out the 70 to go out and kick some devil booty, they came back, celebrated, got pumped, got excited. And Jesus said to them, now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority. Listen, all, all my authority to do what? To trample. What is that word trample? Come on, y'all, just trample with me for a sec. Listen to it. Listen to that. Keep going, keep going. What is that sound? <laughs> ah! Charge! That's you and I are called to over what? Over his kingdom. Me, you. Then he says, you will. I was doing this in my office last night. You will what? You, Joel, you will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. And absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you are walking in this authority. Woo! The greatest place of safety. Where is it? It's at the right hand of the Father. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. What is that? It's right here. It's the spot that he gave you in Christ Jesus. Now I have been given all authority to trample over his kingdom. He gave that to the church. Woo! Trample, it means to tread heavily, to bruise, to crush, and to injure. Man. Now, as you walk in this authority, I just love the last words of this, as you learn to walk in this authority. So our job as believers is to learn how to operate and walk out this authority because unless the believer does something about the devil, nothing will be done. And pray all you want, God, do something about the devil. is a waste of breath going on. So, church, again, we have to wake up to this reality because the time is short. We have a God to serve, a devil to harass, a gospel to preach, and a kingdom to build. Now, here are the four things. Let's get into this because my time is running short, just like the devil's. We got to get going. Matthew 28. <laughs> I'll give you these four. It says, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has what been given to me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19. So you go, therefore, with it. Mark chapter 16. Turn there for a moment. And Jesus said to them, kind of just a different look at it. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Ready? Who believe? 
in my name. What will they do? They will. I want you to notice those two words, they will. Not he will, not God will, not Holy Spirit will. They will as they're empowered by the Spirit of God to do so. They will cast out. The first thing that we do is what? They will cast out demons. Come here, demon, 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 demon. They will cast out demons. What else will they do? They will. They will speak in new tongues. Verse 18. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Then he says, they will lay hands on the sick. And they, not the person laying hands, the people that were laying hands on, they will recover. Not maybe, they will. Recovery is always there. They will. Woo! They will, they will, they will, they will. And the first thing that you see is that they will cast out devils. And that word in the Greek is ekbalo. And that means to throw out to evict someone from a place, to drive out, or to expel. So the body of Christ is to throw out, to evict from a place, to drive out, and to expel devils and demons. That's our job. Get them out. No longer is the church, oh, no, 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 we're waking up to this. Ah, I see something. Devil, you've tried to put fear in me way too long. It stops right here because I'm supposed to trample on everything you got. Okay, next verse. So that those are the two. Those are from the Lord Jesus himself about from this seat. Not, hey, I, w- I couldn't do it because Jesus gave us that authority. So that comes from the mouth of Jesus. Next comes from the lips of James. James chapter 4, verse 7. He says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from, from Jesus. He flees from you. <laughs> I think the devil really hates this service. He's, he's hating this one. So as we submit to him, but notice this, you would have to have authority over him in order to do that. Right? Okay? No Christian is supposed to get another believer to resist the devil for themselves. Why? Because you've been given that seat. I can't occupy your seat. You can occupy your seat. You can resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that word flee means the devil runs away from you in complete terror. (laughs) Church, can we see this? Rather than us going, oh, horror film. Oh, those are really scary. No, 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 no. Hold on. He's just showing what it's like when you and I, the Christian, takes their place in Christ Jesus. They are freaked right out. Now, I'll give you this one little story I was reading from Smith Wigglesworth, talking similar along these lines. But all of a sudden, there was a, he was out, in, of course, in England. They were waiting for a bus to arrive. And all of a sudden, there was this little young old lady that walked up at the bus stop ready to jump on the bus. And there's a little puppy that was going in and around her feet. And he's, the lady kind of like, you're going to have to go back. You know, whatever she said, I'm, I'm getting on the bus. Go, go back in. And the puppy just keeps going around there. Oh, he's so cute. And just kind of rubbing around the legs. And come on, you're going to have to go back to, go back to the house. And all of a sudden, the, bow, the bus rolled in. She stomped her foot and said, get! And what happened? That dog, doot, and just took off. And Smith Wigglesworth, just out of nothing, that's the way you do the devil! <laughs> Stop! That's enough. No more access. <laughs> get that in your picture. The next one, so that's number three. Look at number four. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 
Stay alert. Watch out for that great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. Oh, I wish somebody would just pray for me and get the devil off my back. What does verse 9 tell us? Stand firm against him. When what? And be strong in your faith. What are we doing? Enough. I've been given this authority over my house. I have authority over my house. Devil, you have no access. Strife in my children, it stops right there. You shut it up. It's not behavior modification. There's an actual demon spirit that is at work. So what do we do? Shut them up. All right. Here we go. Oh. Last one, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. The Bible tells us, do not give place to the devil. Who's he talking to? He's writing this letter to the church. This is to the church. So what are we supposed to do? Make sure we give him no access, meaning this. Every believer has authority over the devil. If you give the devil place in your life, there's nothing that Jesus can do because you have authority, not him. Do you hear that? If the devil's harassing, you let him in. And to pray, God, can you do something about this? Is a waste of time because you have authority, not him. Make sure you hear me with the right ears on that. Because people go, well, God's full of authority. Yeah, he is. But he gave it on this, on this earth to the church. I have it. My home is under my jurisdiction. So what do I want? I want the word of God to have full access in my house. So what do I do? Hey, devil, no touchy. Can't have access here. No, it stops right here in Jesus' name. No way. It's done. So now, in closing, I want to just give you a couple of remembers. Remember Colossians 1.13 that you have been delivered from the power of darkness and you've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. Remember, you are the one who's been delivered. You are the one who is seated far above the enemy. You are the one who is on the attack, not the enemy. He retreats. When you wake up, he goes, shoot, they woke up. No! Type of thing. After Luke finds out that, you know, whatever that guy becomes his dad, no. The moment that you wake up, the devil goes, shoot, they're up, causing problems in my kingdom again. That's who you are. Why? Because we occupy this seat. Lastly, Romans 5.17, it says this, those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, they will reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Reign over sickness and disease. Reign over poverty and lack. Reign over strife. Reign over the devil and all the works of his kingdom. We reign. Why? Because we're in him. So what we do, we're learning to be exalted to the place God wants us. We didn't exalt ourselves. He exalted us. And all we're doing is taking advantage of what God did for us in Christ Jesus. So don't just stop at the cross. Oh, God, I thank you for the cross. We are, he's not there anymore. And don't just stop at Pentecost. When you got filled with the Holy Ghost, thank God for it. Go to the place of authority where the resurrected king is seated. You are supposed to be seated right along there with him. 
So it's been a progression. We went from the cross. You came by the cross. We all came that way. Thank God for the cross. There is so much power yet to be preached and taught from what happened at that cross. We don't stop preaching that. We don't stop Pentecost and all that God did and now infusing the believers with power to carry out the word. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, the ability to pray in other tongues. Yeehaw! That will always happen until we're out of here. And thirdly, don't just stop there. We go right to this seat where you and I now reign and rule as kings in this life. Your days of being a loser are over. Oh, it's just, uh, I just feel under the weather. Get over top of it. Oh, this week's kicking my butt. Get on top of it. Well, what, what do you mean? Just just psych myself up? No. Go to your spot. Stop making some declarations. Start seeing what the Word says about you. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, devil, hey, guess what? You're way under my feet, sucker. Changes everything. This is who we is. Can we all stand up together? What I want to do, I want to just do one thing. I believe that I want this to be a sound for our region. I want to, I want to just make the sound of a trample. Don't think naturally speaking, just, oh, just a bunch of people step. No, 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 no. I want you to hear a different sound. What's happening in our city, what's happening in this church, what's happening in our region is the church is waking up to who we are. And who are we? We're the devil booty kicker timers. That's what we do. And how do we do it? We operate in our authority, and there's a certain sound that we make in the spirit. What does it sound like in the spirit? Trample. There's a sound. People tell me, I want this to be over. Oh, who cares if it's over or not? You and I make the same sound. What is that sound? Trample. So every once in a while, just when things start to hit the fan, just remember the sound. Y'all, you hear me? I believe this is the spirit of God all over this. That these days of your wimpiness, the whininess that's in the church is gone out of our mouth. It's gone out of this. Why? We're the resurrected body. So can we just for a moment, I want you just to stomp where you're at. Just not making a sound. I want you just to hear it in the spirit. Come on, hear that. Let the devil hear it. My days of defeat are over. What am I? I'm trampling. Why? I got the word. I got the spirit. Living in me, I can do all things. Come on, y'all, through Christ. Who strengthens me? Now just hear it again. Keep going, keep going. Just hear that sound. Just hear it. Just listen. Whoa. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo. That's the sound we make. That's the sound the church has in the spirit. It's the sound that we make. Man, we do not wrestle flesh and blood. But our battle's in the heavenlies. And that sound, I tell you right now, the devil is terrified. Because what does he just see? He just saw a group of us just started stomping that floor. He knows, he knows, he knows. He can't get access to that home. Can't get access to that home. Oh, that family. I can't get access to that family. And I had a whole plan for that family. It stopped right here. Oh, I had a plan for that child. I wanted to do something in that school, but it stopped right here. Why? We're trampling. Amen. Amen.